0: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you. It is Thursday morning, the 27th of July. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. How are you all? We have got a huge show for you this morning. DDRU, the Darling Downs Rugby Union semi-finals take place this weekend, Super Saturday. It's at Gold Park and um, all teams are playing there. I'll give you an update on it, but we're going to talk with Mike Bishop, the Kingaroy Thrashers coach. And after eight years in hibernation, the Thrashers came back into the competition last year. Well, this year they are one of the real title race threats. They are a very good team and it is all off the back of A scheme and a big thanks to the government um, who have brought some life back to this rugby club. We'll talk later as well. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously, Japanese encephalitis vaccines. It looks like we've got a cure for this absolutely wretched disease for pigs. Dr Jodie Hobson-Peters will join us. We're going to talk the markets, obviously Charters Towers, uh, Rockhampton and also Dolby yesterday. Anthony Heinlein will join us. And Monica O'Brien the director and producer of that popular TV show, Mustardogs. Their return for season two is about to be announced and now they're calling on season three participants and we will have a chat to her. It's a big weekend and a big day today with sport. I mean, we've got the Broncos taking on the Roosters tonight, but more importantly, the Matildas take on Haiti in a World Cup qualifier here in the middle of the World Cup. That's at Suncorp Stadium. You're not supposed to call it that, but that's what it is. And uh, look, how it all got lumbered into one, I don't know, but we will cover it all off as well. It's a big show for you. Let's get into it. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network Let's chat now to Monica O'Brien, director and producer of the popular TV show Muster Dogs. She joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate broadcast network. You're with Ben Dobbin this morning across rural and regional Queensland. And look, it's really a, an honour to have Monica O'Brien joining us this morning, director and producer of one of the most popular TV shows, Muster Dogs. Um, it's a hit show. Dogs will return for season two very shortly, that date to be announced. But they're now calling for season three participants. And I can tell you um, that there is a lot of people who want to be a part of this show. Monica, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. Well, thank you.
0: I, I-, I have to say, firstly, congratulations. Clearly, you have a passion not only um, for TV, but also a passion for animals and dogs. And this this show, when I, when I first saw it, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. With a rural background, I could not have enjoyed it more. And I think it's been endeared a lot by all Australians because of our love of the bush.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, been absolutely... Um, adventure filming mustard dogs and getting out um, in regional Australia and and getting to meet all the families and better understand the agricultural industry and our whole food supply chain. It's just been you know incredible and and at the heart of the series is the core messaging is working with dogs um, leads to. Karma um, livestock and, and more humane, you know, agricultural practices. So, you know, what's not to love about that?
0: Yeah, well, and, 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 and you're showcasing that. I mean, you know, regardless of what people think, you know, the majority of people and I'd say 99.9% of, of graziers and farmers are environmentalists and we sometimes yeah. get a little bit, you know, the, the, the bad rap because people don't understand. But this not only shows people just exactly how passionate people are, but also it gives people an insight and, and shows them what they do day to day, which is unbelievable. In season one, there was five graziers, and they're each given a Kelpie pup, um, from the same litter. And over the course of twelve months, you know, um, you know, y- y- you see what happens. Now, it came from Claremont Grazier, Frank Finger, um and the Finger family were very, very good with their pup called Annie. And so a lot went on there, and, and it was a great, great story. When are, we, when are we going to see season two? I mean, I understand that the pups are out and about. How long till we, till we get to have a look at it?
1: Well, um, we're hoping season two will go to air January, February yep. next year, so yep. the start of the year. Um, we haven't got a firm date yet from the ADC, but I know that they're wanting to kick the year off with it. Um, and we've got gorgeous little border collie pups this time. So oh Australian, Australian border collies. So, oh, my God. And, yeah, so um, – and it's, a, yeah, another mix, a mix of um, graviers and um, and wiener tailors and, and just generally great um, stock handlers. And, um, yeah, and we're right around Australia for that so um wearing Tasmania and New South Central New South Wales and Queensland and Northern Territory I just <laughs> so, yeah we are getting around
0: do you love it monica it, i mean you have to obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it and it, and, and it's a big it's a big paddock australia and when you do something like this country. yeah and when you do stuff like this you're back and forth throughout the course of the year H- how enjoyable is it for you i mean it's taxing but gee whiz Twelve months is a long time, and what you what you get out of it must be terribly rewarding.
1: Oh yeah! Um, with series one, we shot series one during COVID, so um, the kids were in tow with us because they were homeschooling. So um, you know, we lived our best life as a family traveling around in the caravan. You know,
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> um, good.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, filming all these beautiful people. But um series two's been a bit different. Um the kids have only been able to come with me a couple of times. So we're crossed over with school holidays. <laughs> so um they're 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 a bit envious, but oh the big skies. I just cannot get past the big skies of Australia. Um, you know, that's a documentary in itself, I reckon. Yeah,
0: oh, you're dead right. It's I, I, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Tell me this, um, and we're talking with Monica O'Brien, director and producer of the, the very popular show, Master Dogs. Season three applications are due no later than August the 1st. That's next Tuesday. So people listening, have you been inundated with people who have a passion for dogs and, and rural and regional Australia?
1: Oh, yeah, we're getting some incredible responses. Um, so they're coming in via email, which is fantastic. And, and yeah, we're looking for people just, who um, want to step up to the challenge. There is like a degree of, you know, this is an experiment. So we're not looking for, you know, drama or manufactured chaos or anything. Um, we want every pup uh, to be successful. So um, and so, you, we're not looking for failures. We're really looking for people who are truly passionate and able to commit the time to, across the 12 months, to you know follow the suggested um training milestone process in order to bring these pups up and give them their best life and along the way you know we get to know them their families the work that they do and it's a great opportunity to as you said at the start to send a positive message about um you know our food supply and and our agricultural industry and and what these communities need you know trying to highlight that um, we're trying a, a, as a nation to increase employment in regional yep. communities, and that's really important. So, so yeah. important.
0: Um, Ambient entertainment is your bread and butter. Is that where people go to apply? What's the process to apply for Muster Dog Season Three?
1: Yeah. So, if you go to our website, Ambience A M B I E N C E sometimes is confusing. Ambient Entertainment. Um, and uh, the information's there. You can also find it by just googling the call out, info- like the criteria of what you've got to submit. Um, is there? There's also um, you can just email us for the information on participants with an S yeah. at ambiententertainment.com. And then um, there's also. Um, A Google search will um, pop the call-out out out as well. Um, Mustardog season three call-out, casting call-out, and they should be able to find the criteria and the link to the email. So it's all available.
0: Were you surprised? uh, Are you surprised by, I mean, you've been involved in a lot of productions over a long period of time. Um, Were you surprised just how embraced this one was?
1: Um, we've talked and thought a lot about this. We always knew it was a special show, um, but it, we weren't expecting it to get the response that it did. And then we stopped and thought about it and went, well, why not? Because at the end of the day, people want to be seen. They want their community seen. They want their stories seen. Uh, they want, you know, Australians actually want to see Australians on television. Yeah, they and, do. you know, I spend a lot of time actually heading to Canberra and lobbying the government for Australian content quotas, and and making sure that you know our streaming platforms aren't just bombarded with um, international content because um, it it makes you feel. Um, it, you know it makes you feel connected with people when you see yourself reflected on screen and i think that's why it resonated with regional audiences um you know if we're talking ratings and stuff um the city ratings went up a little bit but didn't change what happened was regional australia They on engaged
0: they were engaged yeah. yep
1: so we, yeah, it, it spoke to regional Australia, and those audiences came back in tenfold, and with so much passion, like you know, and that, and that passion, and that referral, and that word of mouth, is is what's made the show so successful. So for that, we're proud, you know.
0: Oh, uh, you should be. Um, you really should be. And, and and you touched on so many things, like you're lobbying. I mean. It has to come from the government because the funding just isn't there. So they have to mm. look after it. But, you know, developing these kind of shows, it's it's sort of if you give, you'll get back tenfold. But the government just need to understand that. And a lot of times – and, look, we've seen some amazing things happen. I mean, like the film festival in Winton for a priming set. There's so many things that are happening. And production is becoming more and more. But great Aussie content – you just can't be. You, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, season three um, is their applications are coming for Season three for Master Dogs by next Tuesday, August the 1st. And you can go and we're going to put all the details up there. Um, so it's Ambience Entertainment, A M B I E N C E Entertainment.com. And you can find it there. We will get it up on our uh, social media platforms as well where to go. And obviously in January, February next year, Season two will take place on the TV. I can't wait to see it as well. Great to chat, Monica. Thank you so much for giving me some time this morning and uh, you've got a a real winner there. It's a fantastic show and I can't wait for season two.
1: Thank you so much. No, it's great.
0: Good on you. Uh, Monica O'Brien, director and producer of the popular TV show, Mustardogs. We'll take a break. Rural Queensland today. Mike Bishop from the Kingaroy Thrashers joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network You're with Ben Dobbin across rural and regional Queensland today. Uh, so much to get through, but this weekend um, the Ridston Cup semi finals get underway. And the DDAU have done a fantastic job with this concept that's been going on for a long time now called Super Saturday. And Darling Downs Rugby Union have a weekend of rugby uh, that takes place at Gold Park. And in Toowoomba, and it will be spectacular in C grade. Um, and you know the Dolby Wheatman will take on the Roma Echidnas in the first game. Then US, UQ Gatton will take on the Chinchilla River Rats. Those games uh, take place at 11:30. Now 12:40, the B grade gets underway. You've got St George taking on Gundawindi. Windy. And the South Burnett Thrashers taking on the Dolby Wheatman in A grade, the Ritson Cup. The Condamine Cods will take on Dolby in the first game at 2.05. And then Toowoomba Rangers taking on the Gundawindi Emus at 3.40. I thought we, we, we focus a lot of here and I talk about the Cods because of my affiliation, but we don't get to talk about the South Burnett Thrashers out of Kingaroy very often. I mean, this is a club that has a proud history and through. A lot of times, it's had the ups, the downs, but they've continued to play. They're a real chance this year of winning a Brie B-grade premiership. Their coach is Mike Bishop, who's been around rugby for a long, long time on the Darling Downs, and he joins us this morning. G'day, Mike. How are you?
2: Morning, Dubbo. Morning,
0: mate. Yeah, great to talk to you, mate. Firstly, I mean, semi-final football, every year you... I guess you throw your hands up and say what we're going to deal with, but you've got a, yourself a football team this year that is going very, very well and is one of the real favourites for this B-grade competition.
2: Yeah, the boys have been playing well, mate. We, you know, you get a few hiccups as you as you go along, but, like, finals was different and it'll be tough. Like, they'll be the you old know, traditional, you know, clubs like Dolby and Gunny are always tough and they sort of rise for the finals. But the boys are excited, mate. They're, they're keen and, you know, they... It's sort of sinking in that they've got a chance to, um, you know, make a bit of history. They've made the finals, which is, a, you know, half a step up up the hill. But um, you know, we've got a long way to go. But the boys are excited for Saturday.
0: Talk to me about. I mean, I've played against the Thrashers and I've seen them when they played A Grade and B Grade. I remember. I remember it. I've played there at King Arroy when I was playing for Condamine, and it was always a hard road trip, but it was a tough game. And for a long time. Um, unfortunately the thrushes they, they they were you know hibernating that they, they stopped almost eight years if i'm right in saying um and then last year you guys rebuilt the side and and it, and it came back into the competition i mean can you talk to me about how you went about doing this and and how you've got this side to where it is today yeah look
2: continually traditionally um, doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, players that have been away to boarding school and yep. like, you know, Condamine or, or Gundy Dolby do. So we've got to really work on, on the local boys. And, you know, in the early days when we were playing A grade, we had quite a few indigenous boys playing for us and that sort of built the club. Um, and there are a lot of, obviously a lot of locals playing as well. But, you know, when, when the club sort of folded, it was just the demographics. There just wasn't the players here, you know, it's, um, it just changed and, you know, with Twickers now bringing these Islander boys in it's, um, and for a lot of them, especially like Samoans, PGNs, PNG boys, that you know, rugby is their first love. So we sort of had a bit of a chat about it and we didn't really know how we were going to go. But at the beginning of last year, we thought, well, you know, we we're originally going to play on the Sunshine Coast and at the last minute. Um they basically said no. So in the end we got on the downs and they had one spot left in Sea Grade and we said, Well, we'll take it and see how we go and, and the boys did well. Like they're very they're very respectful and some talented players in them, really talented and um you know, it's just a matter of getting him organized and getting him to train and you know, some of them don't really enjoy the um cold winter evenings in King so the numbers dwindle a bit on those days. But it's um mate it's been it's been great for them too because you know it brings them in the community and it, and it also you know gives them something to do and, and something sure. something to hope for you know apart from work you know they just can't work they've got to sort of try and involve themselves in the community and this was the way we wanted to do
0: it so I mean last year knocked out in I think you got You ended up being third in the competition. Um, You you jumped from C grade to B grade this year and and you've had a really good season. If if I'm honest, you guys have been very, very strong. And, you know, the revival, it did come in a lot to that Palm workers scheme, you know, the Pacific uh, Labor Mobility Scheme. and, And obviously you can get that. So my, you know, regardless of what happens this weekend and how you go, the club is back on on good footing. And, and the, 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 there's talk that, you know, long-term, you guys might be able to field two teams eventually. And that means, obviously, more local kids can see it and see a bit of a pathway. You know I mean, because, you know, you're in competition with AFL and, and league and, and, you know, work and there's so many other things. Camp drafting, you name it. They're all, they're all weekend sports. So can you see now that you are... You know, it, it is starting to to tick, and you are starting to get some sort of headway that you are potentially going to be able to strengthen the club, and the club will revive itself to the point that you you know you might be able to field two teams next year.
2: I mean, that's what we're aiming at, mate. And you know, we're we're doing a bit of rugby back from the high schools again now, and like the Reds, are, the Reds came out here last year and did some clinics, and you know they're giving it a bit of a push, mate. And like you say, you're competing with the other sports and. But in the end, I mean, as long as they're playing, something like, you know, the Solomon Island boys now have sort of really boosted the soccer team in and they've, they've got a very talented side now because of them. And it's um it's just that most of these Island boys, especially big and the Samoans, like rugby is their sport. They, um, You know, some of them will play league and don't mind playing league and, and some enjoy playing league. But rugby, to most of them, is, is the sport that they want to play. So that's what we aimed at and. I think Dobbo, Now that we've sort of um, cracked the ice, you know, yeah. if we can get some more local fellows involved, and you know, there's a few obviously involved now, but we get a few more local fellows and some more young guys coming through. I think the club's got a pretty good future, mate. To be honest, and it's it's good. It's, it's good for the community. Like you know, in the old days when the thrashers were doing well, and, and you know, we were involved with you guys at the cods. You know, we used to get a lot of people at the games. It was um it was you know, that everyone used to look forward to, sadly, like they, you know, like you turn up at Condamine, there's bloody five or six hundred people yeah. there, you know, like yeah. they just love it. It's community lifeblood, mate. You know, it's, it's probably not quite the same here because it's not such a country area, but the people enjoy their rugby here, mate. A lot of people really enjoy it.
0: If you build it, they will come, they say, Mike, and, and that's you doing it. And look, a lot of other towns uh, can take a lot from what you guys have done. Um, and I, I know that. You know, it's such an important part, and, and, and they are respectful young men. They do love their sport, rugby's first and foremost. And, you know, there might be a bloke who, there might be a couple of blokes who are in your district, you know, in the South Burnett, who, like, you know what, I would have loved to have played rugby, but, you know, they're just not a side, you know, they're doing something else. And then when they see that, you know, next year they, they, they rock up to a pre season training and so, say, well, you know what, we're going to give it a go. And then, you know, you, you build it slowly but surely. You know, then you've got juniors and, and, you know, the women's game's growing. So, I mean, to, to, to for, for an eight-year hibernation, for a club to come back into its, you know, into the competition, that, that's pretty special. And, I mean, there would have been some teething problems, suspect, I suspect, trying to, you know, just trying to, you know, probably marshal everybody together, get everybody on the same page, get everybody going again. But the club, I suspect, would be in, in, in a good spot right as we speak going into this weekend's semifinals. finals.
2: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it, Maybe, Like I said before, the boys—it's—I um, keep saying to them, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for you guys, and and uh, you know they—they're they're, they're competitive. They're very competitive. Ireland's are competitive. They're brought up competitively, you know, like, um, and they like like to compete, and they're tough buggers, you know. They, they don't mind getting out there and having a go. and and um, that's sort of you know what what makes me proud is you put these boys on the field, you don't ever have to say to them, you know. You know, to lift them for the game, they they walk across that wide line, mate, and they go. They want to go, and they love it. Yeah, no, and they they are very very respectful. I mean, they do get you know they get times when they get a bit over over aggressive, and you got to sort of pull them up a bit. But, mate, they're very respectful, and you know, you put them on the bus on the way home, and the, the bus driver always says, you know, you boys are so respectful, and it's um and that's good for the club. You know, it's good for the community. You don't you want the boys to to enjoy by themselves but you also want them to be, you know, role models everyone sees and thinks lot of them. These boys are, you know, they're working hard, they're playing hard but they're very respectful to everyone else.
0: Um, you know, I, I, Mike, I hope it goes well for you this weekend and I love the story um, and you've been a, a huge, huge supporter of the game of Rugby Union on the Darling Downs so a lot of credit goes to yourself, um, who has been involved in the game for many, many years. Best of luck, Super Saturday this weekend for the Darling Downs Rugby Union. It all kicks off at Gold Park. It's huge. Really appreciate your time this morning, mate. And best of luck. Thank you, I Look after yourself, mate. Thank you. Good on you. Mike Bishop, See South Thrashers Thrashers rugby Cage. We'll take a break. Come back with more Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin this morning. And let's go to Dolby. Anthony Heinlein Grant, Daniel Longson George, joins us this morning in excess of 4,200 at Dolby yesterday. Um, That was very much in line with the Roma numbers. Anthony, good morning. Great to talk to you, mate. Uh, How was that market yesterday?
3: Yeah, Ben, uh, morning to you. Yeah, uh, look, the the yarding was, Still a little bit mixed up then, but we did see some good weighted cattle on offer um, and the market uh, market improved uh, considerably. Well, it, it was all up then, uh, you know, a good 15 to 20 cents on cow. Uh, starting to see the bullocks make $3, but um, uh, uh, a little bit mixy in the store section, but the heavier cattle that were, you know, processing cattle that were there were, were relatively good and uh, not a lot of feeders to realistically have a real good quote on, but, you know, heavier cattle uh, plus 350 kilos are going considerably better than where we were, you know, three or four weeks ago.
0: That's the thing. Um, so le- let's talk about prime cows. Let's just look at that prime job at the moment. Um, all quotes lead that it was, you know, fr- four to ten deer. Did we see that?
3: We did. We certainly did. And, and pretty well through the majority of the cow offering, even if the, the boner cow last week was a dollar twenty or thirty, while they were, you know, a dollar fifty or sixty uh, to the better end this week. Um, still a bit hit and miss on the store cow, depending how how how, how uh, plain and condition they are. But that that certainly led through to the the second second grade of fat cow, good, you know, five to ten cents better. But the the prime cow was we well, back up to two dollars uh, thirty plus for your extra heavies. You know, your plus five fifty kilo bullock cow. Um, you know, 230, 235, um, a lot better than, you know, $2, 210, 215. Still, some cows making that money, Ben, don't yeah. get me wrong, but, but look, it just had a, a much better feeling about the prices inside of the job. It, albeit uh, there was a bit of rain in the central, a fair few kill cattle went back up to the north, but in saying that, we have seen the southern processes starting to show a bit of interest and, and certainly buying some cattle now up at our area.
0: Well, the good news is that we actually saw um, that they can all they can all see it now that there there is probably likely to be a shortage at the back end of the year and we will see this prime job increase. Like, I think we have certainly hit the bottom at this moment if you look at Dolby.
3: Oh, I certainly believe so. And look, it, it, uh, right through, um, we've, we've had a bit of a feeling that we're going to see something shift and... And look, if if it's long lived, I, 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 we're a bit unsure. But right at the moment, we know that there's going to be a, a bit of play from the processes for the for the you know the, uh, forthcoming future. But you know, who, who knows when some cattle from the north and the west might turn up? They're all sweating on them to turn up. But yeah, you know, if it keeps raining, they've still got productivity out in the west, haven't they? So um, you know, uh, right at the moment, we we see a better outlook. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and the big thing about it is that you know. Th- off the back of that, we will see that store job rise. Now, look, it wasn't anything to, to bang down the house on, but it was certainly dearer yesterday in that store job in portions. I mean, lightweight yearling steers returning to the paddock made to 360, average 305, you know, which is not bad. You know, we've seen yearling heifers making the 288. They're around that 260 average. So, I mean, quality comes into it, but that store job was much stronger.
3: It it, it it was, and and again you 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 know you you see a bit of up and down in the in the prices on your, for your vendors, but we, we could say it would it it felt stronger. Um, you, you know it um it, yeah I think with the feeder job increasing increasing a bit this week, that's sort of been the the bit of the talk around town that the feeders steers are sort of back up to three dollars forty instead of three dollars twenty. Uh, people can now set some. Some steers that cost them a bit of money still that are still hanging around, they can they can sort of move them out and, and get into this store job with a with a bit of confidence to know that there certainly is movement in this feeder market and, and uh, oh, I just think it gives everyone a, a little bit um, a little bit of a brighter you know brighter outlook to say well we, we can trade out and trade in and um, if there's a time to go it's probably a time to get moving um, you know start taking note of this market getting better. And um, and move forward with it instead of uh, potentially sitting back and wondering if there's going to be another 20 cents in it. Well, look, maybe there could be, but I don't see it in the feed of You know, it's increased. It's 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 probably time to get 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 on with it and get going.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with you wholeheartedly. Mate, I appreciate your time, um, I mean, it, it, what about the paddock-wise, just paddock sales for the feeder job, there's obviously some demand there, can you just give us a snapshot, I mean, you're in St George, so through Mooney, Windy, Meandara, Glen Morgan, you know, in the back of there, the Gums, what's all that country like at the moment?
3: it, it certainly felt the effects of winter then, and um, in the, in the short summer rain, but, that, look, don't get me wrong, right, there, there certainly is some, some useful oats in the ground and, and up and, and starting to being fed off now. Um, some blokes a little bit earlier, but uh, east of St. George, I should say, not a lot here at St. George, not a lot of in-crop in, in here at the moment. But, you know, the, the, the big chat around our business model is that uh, we don't have a lot of cattle with weight coming forward for the rest of the year. So, you know, I think when, when the job got to where it was you know two three months ago well everyone either sold their their, their potential feeder steer at 350 kilos or they've held them on to a to a bullock and they've been going out now so I, I, I you know as far as numbers and weights go out in this area on a pretty fair catchment I I don't see a, a, a real big reflection of to what might have been reported you know the seasons all right, but um just a bit of oats starting to be used now. Back to the east of us, end of the north. That good rain last week. So, um, yeah, there's everyone's well, not everyone, but the people with, with a bit of crop have certainly got an opportunity to, to really have a have a good um, a good go. Up until you know it's going to warm up now, Ben. We're we're nearly at the back end of end of winter, so um, you know we're only around the corner from from another start of the season, aren't we? So, sure. Uh, hopefully, you can step up and, and get going.
0: Yeah, you're dead right. Um, it, it, it is, it is something that we're all going to keep and watch, and hopefully, seasonally, we we can have that as well. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. You have a good week. Good on you. There we have it. And Anthony Highland joining us this morning. Now, just quickly, while we're there, um, only 700 headed me yesterday due to those falls. Charters Tower is a little different, 1,800 head, um, and the improved demand resulted in growing steers and bullocks improving by 35 cents yesterday. Heavy cows lifted 40 cents, and bulls averaged 12 better. Now, the yarding quality was much better, but um, if you look at this, full mouth bullocks to export topped at to 284 to average 255. Medium weight score two cows. Obviously improved to 236 to average 218, and score four cows reached 236 to average 226. There was a good sample of prime and heavyweight cows, topped to 238 to average 231. Bulls um, to processors sold to 270, um, and there was bulls to feed, destined for live export, 254. Heavy growing steers topped to 268 to do 258, and the feeders topped to 292 to average 268. Growing heifers to 246. So Charters yesterday, Charters Towers sale yesterday, 1,800 head there, much improved. And cattle were drawn from Mount Isa to Croydon, Georgetown, east to Ingham, and south into the local area. So the demand for them um, increased. And look, to be honest with you, uh, there was an increased processing attendance there that lifted the demand on all categories. So well done to Charters Towers. We'll take a break, come back. There's the markets for yesterday. Uh, Obviously, markets going on today we will keep you abreast of everything that's going on. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin on Thursday morning, the 27th of July. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is the 27th of July on Rural Queensland Today. Look, I've talked a lot about health in this state over the last year and a half, and there's no two ways about it. We've copped the pineapple um, in regional Queensland that it just has not been anywhere near where it needs to be. Diabolical is a couple of words that I'd like to use about it because that's how I feel about it. But in the Courier-Mail today, uh, Jackie Sinaton has broken an unbelievable story, which I'm not shocked about, but I just think enough is enough. Queensland could be living with undiagnosed cancer or life-threatening condition as 50,000... Radiology scans sit unprocessed at one of the state's busiest hospitals. Now, this is like I—I I, I can't. Fifty thousand scans have not been, have not been processed. Now, the imaging service and staff shortages are likely being caused by blockages across the state. Now, you want to talk about a deadly delay? This is exactly what it wants. What it is. So how do you know if you're living with a life-threatening condition, more than 50,000 scans have been not unreported? Now, clinicians uh, have warned that the problem in imaging services and staff shortages have been caused by backlogs across the state. Now, there's an emergency doctors' forum that was held yesterday to discuss this. Queensland Health has confirmed that there is a backlog, and it's going to take two to three months to clear. Now whistleblowers have come forth and they're fearful over the unprocessed scans um, have been backlogged over a period of 18 months. 18 months this has been going on. There is a constant worry about how many tumours or serious issues are being misread or delayed. The same problem with stockpile scans has been at the Gold Coast, was investigated 10 years ago. So why has this been allowed to happen? Plain or simple films, can be reviewed in emergency by an inpatient or outpatient referring doctor but without a radiologist's expertise, there could be serious consequences. Proposals for this emergency meeting need more outsourcing and imaging. The workers are frustrated. The doctors have had enough. And rightly so. The demand for imaging and the excess of radiologists from the public sector due to the chances of Medicare billings are to blame for the backlogs radiologists can earn millions in the private practice so why would their public paychecks get cut dramatically and they move to the private sector so there's a shortage queensland health spokesman added uh, outsourcing was a long-standing and commonly used option but i can tell you what this is just a disgrace Well done to Jackie Sinnottin for this exclusive and it led the news on the front page of the paper. Now, I talk about, you know, sort of dramas. Well, I can tell you this health drama, that's just another thing. How long can this go on? And what happens if you're one of the people that has a scan and you're waiting three months? It might just take too long. Not good news for Australian agricultural owner and billionaire, He's been indicted for insider trading. Now, this has just been reported that Joe Lewis, who controls Australia's biggest pastoral group, Australian Ag Company, has been indicted for insider trading in the US and faces charges, including sharing confidential information about the impact of the 2019 Queensland floods with his pilot. It's being reported today that New York Southern District Attorney, Damien Williams, accused Mr Lewis of a brazen insider trading, including by sharing information on AA Company that was traded on to his romantic partners, his personal assistants, his private pilots and his friends. Thanks to Lewis, those bets were a sure thing, he said. Joe Lewis is a very wealthy man, but they allege that he used the insider trading to compensate his employees and he, the lawyer says it's classic corporate corruption. Now, A.A. Company, their share pl- price slumped 4.6% or $0.07 to a 46. Lewis owns 51% of A.A. Company through its private-held Tavistock Group and controls two board seats. Now, the insider trading alleged allegation, and that's all it is at the moment. It's an allegation, and there's no fact to it, but this is what they are alleging. It relates to the devastating floods in 2019 that resulted in the death of about 43,000 cattle, accounting to almost 10% of their herd. So AA company obviously aren't making any comment at the moment, but this is going on in America, and it's a concern no no matter what. Uh, There's no two ways about it. Um, I, I, I just think to myself why and how long can this go on can this go on well done also can I just say um, I, I'm not normally the, the union's best friend and I understand that they have a place and an important place but Queensland's largest infrastructure project has come to a ground halt and rightly so because of safety concerns now, the Cross City Rail project has been issued with 331 warnings about safety to date and blowing out the $6.3 billion. And it only really has hit the skids when scaffolder um, Nash Kokuya, 54, who's fighting for his life, plunged 12 metres and hit a pylon. Now, rightly so, the CFMEU, they went to the grass, mate. They just said enough's enough. Mark Bailey has since ordered a detailed safety audit of the Cross River Rail project. More money. I mean, seriously. This has been going on and blowing out for a long time. Queensland Assistant State Secretary Jade Dingham has said the union has raised safety concerns across the Rose River Rail daily with the head contractor, but nothing has been done. Now, there's going to be some dramas here. There's no two ways about it. This is a really, really scary situation. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, University of Queensland scientist Dr. Jody Hobson Peters joins us this morning. Jody, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us on this Thursday morning. My pleasure, Ben. Uh, some good news. Um, yourself and colleagues um, have been working on and look like um, you have it sorted and under control. A vaccine for pigs for this absolutely wicked disease, Japanese encephalitis. Now, it's early doors, I understand that, but the mosquito-borne disease can also affect humans. We know all about it, but it looks like there might be some light at the end of the tunnel with this one.
4: Yeah, that's correct. We are we're really excited about the uh, the vaccine that we are developing. Uh, what we've done is we've taken a harmless uh, mosquito virus, which we named Binjari virus, and we've engineered it to look like Japanese encephalitis virus. And now this hybrid virus, despite the fact that it looks like Japanese encephalitis virus, is still um, completely harmless and cannot infect uh, humans or other animals but the great thing is is that because it looks so similar to the virus that it makes a really potent vaccine so uh,
0: when you look at these how do you test it how do you how do you get some data on it that Mm -hmm. you know that we know okay it works it's 100% foolproof it's going to be able to change because this is a game changer not only for the human race but for the industry because that let's face it, it could wipe out the industry in a heartbeat.
4: Yeah, that's correct. So we were very fortunate to receive uh, funding from Australian Pork Limited and we worked with a team at the the Elizabeth MacArthur Agriculture Institute and um, down there they were able to perform um, some experiments where uh, they looked at the effectiveness of our vaccine in young pigs and in doing so, we confirmed that our vaccine protected more than 94% of the pigs from infection with Japanese encephalitis.
0: So from there, you know, you, you look at it, it absolutely identifies and, and grows only in the mosquito cells and, and it's identical Correct. to JV, so it's right. So yep. then can it, can it have the same effect for- for humans like I, I mean that like, is there some sort of thing that we can go okay because it, it can humans can catch this as well horses can get it but what, what, is there something from this that you build this vaccine that you go okay we've got this we've identified this now we go and, and we can we can utilize it and I know this is a, a long long question but I you know it, it would be the same principles and the same sort of drug you know just in a different form I suspect.
4: Yeah, of course. So that is our long-term plan. So um, as you would imagine that there's a lot more regulation around human vaccines. And so uh, what we're hoping to get uh, our vaccine for pigs um, hopefully rolled out for the the next mosquito season, um, but of course that depends on um, a lot of other uh, regulatory approvals going through. Uh, our ultimate aim is also to um, translate this platform for vaccines for humans, but as you can understand, that is um, a very long route.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So when you when you inject into pigs and And watch it and recognise it. What's the process? How how long does it take to get the data, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can get your research, you can go, okay, we've got something here. And, And how often do you have to do it and how many pigs are we talking
4: So um, with the initial trials, um, they were relatively small. So we're looking at around um, 40 pigs um, to prove that the vaccine, um, that the pigs developed a really good immune response against the vaccine and that they were protected from the virus. Uh, We also assessed the vaccine in older sows to prove that it was safe in those animals. I guess where we're headed now is to... Um, we're just trying to get the approvals through so that we can start uh, looking at bigger trials, injecting um, say, hundreds of animals, for instance, of different ages to prove that the vaccine um, is effective and safe in all of those animals. And, and of course, with Japanese encephalitis, virus in pigs, because it causes those reproductive disorders and abortions and still in the pigs, uh, one of the next big experiments that we want to do is to prove that the vaccine protects um i guess the fetuses against becoming infected as well so it stops that whole um, reproductive disorder
0: yeah and that's the good thing that, that that's the big thing i, I think that you know um, you know like you know you, you, you get to this point and you must be you must be bloody excited jody I, I don't want to dumb it down like when you get when you guys i mean this is your work as a Queensland scientist at the University of Queensland, this is what you guys do. You try to find solutions. And sometimes you can oh, go yeah. down a rabbit hole and it there's no rabbit. Do you know what I mean? And, and yes, you know, yeah. and you have to restart again. But this has been such a um, concerning, concerning issue. And, and one now, how does it get commercialised? <laughs> and how does that, can you just talk to us? Because I'm fascinated in this. Like you get these unbelievable results. Then, then, yeah. then there's a process, <laughs> and I suspect there there's a, a, lot, a lot of hoops to jump through.
4: <laughs> oh boy, have we been busy, let me tell you. Uh, so, we've partnered with um, uh, an Australian veterinary vaccine manufacturer called Treadlier BioVet, and they've been absolutely wonderful. We've uh, successfully transitioned the production of our vaccine to their laboratories. And so in terms of commercializing it now, it's now getting all of the um, regulatory paperwork in order, basically. And so that's where all of these, um, uh, these trials come into it. So proving that the vaccine is safe in the pigs, that it does prevent um, the infection with and encephalitis virus. So we're, we're mounting all of that data um, to prove to the authorities that our vaccine is, is wonderful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, this is awesome. How long, um, that, yeah, how long till we see it realistically for this? Like, you yeah, pig farmers this morning who are listening to this and, you know, who are always on constant alert, you know, whether yeah. or not, you know, like this time next year, could it be rolled out or, yeah. or before that?
4: Certainly, certainly. I mean, ideally, we would hope um, for something to be available for the next mosquito season, but um, that, it, it's difficult to say whether that's going to um, actually occur. Uh, but, yes, certainly by this time next year, we would I, I would expect it to be available.
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, great story, a great story. Uh, you must be happy in yourself. Would you guys go and... Do, do, do the scientists pop a bottle of champagne, or do you go and have dinner? And like, I, I mean, I always wonder these kind of things where you, when you absolutely get this amazing outcome, um, and it's your thing. Do you guys go out to dinner and cheer, or like, is of it just that, we do? Yeah, yeah, that's epic. I love it. I, I, I love that you have you got to celebrate your wins, and this is a huge win. Um, Doctor Jody Hobson Peters, uh, thank you so much. Um, yourself and a lot of colleagues developing. What is hopefully um, a cure to Japanese encephalitis, a vaccine for pigs, and hopefully then it can translate across for horses and human beings. Great story, great to chat. Thanks so much for giving me some time on this Thursday morning. Thank you, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I can't say that I'm not in any way a little disappointed. The Matildas obviously taking on Haiti tonight at Suncorp Stadium in the Football World Cup. And also you've got the Broncos taking on the Roosters at the same time. I mean, scheduling, hello. I mean, could you have scheduled it any worse? But anyway... We have to deal with it. Best of luck to the Matildas. I think what a great thing that they are doing a World Cup here in Australia, especially in Queensland. It's phenomenal. And it is going to be a very, very special night tonight. So much more to get through today. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We're back tomorrow morning from 9am, rural Queensland today. Ray Hadley to join you next. Have a great day. Till next time. It's bye for now.